yourself. Season spooktacular. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that's right. There is going to be a podcast this week, Dan, because just because I go on vacation and everybody decides it's time to run away and hide, it does not mean we are not doing a mid-season spooktacular this year. This episode will only cover the first half of the season meaning that any games that you have watched uh today the day that this is being recorded are not counting towards anything i'm speaking about we are doing mid-season spooktacular i'm doing the majority of it because there is no fraser there is no caleb there is no colin there is nobody it is up to me, and joining me to help me out here is Kryn, who did an amazing introduction. So thanks for joining me, Kryn. Yeah, you know, it's just really great to be here because I love web so much. I, I know you do, and I know you listen to this podcast every single week. Every morning. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. Uh, first up, we are going war plus order this is not reflective of the current standings i am going 12 to 1 war plus to keep it based on what we've seen it's not going to be exactly how the playoff picture looks right now though but that will be what the second half of this season determines so one team that would be up first no matter what format we're doing it is the men of mystery or as I'm calling them this week, the Men of Misery. I know you've been out twice, Paul. First I couldn't figure out how you did it. But last night, I found your key. I know I left my scrapbook out. I can imagine what you might be thinking of me. But you see, Paul, it's all okay. Last night it came so clear. I realize you just need more time. Eventually, you'll come to accept the idea of being here. Paul, do you know about the early days at the Kimberly Diamond Mines? Do you know what they did to the native workers who stole diamonds? Don't worry, they didn't kill them. That would be like junking your Mercedes just because it had a broken spring. No, if they caught them, they had to make sure they could go on working. But they also had to make sure they could never run away. The operation was called hobbling. The Men of Misery, currently through seven games, one and six, 
scoring 140.5 points per game with a negative 10.03 war plus. The record, because we're on record watch here with multiple teams on both ends of the spectrum, negative 10.96, that was Tim in 2020. That is the record. So we are under a full war away right now as it stands with this team. And coming into the midseason mark, five consecutive week lows. That has never happened in Webb's history. That is a record. The previous record was four held by the Rebel Alliance way back in the day. Parker and the Men of Mystery right now are on a clip that we've never seen in terms of performance. And we know that this is by design. We've talked about it through and through the first half of the year. This is not anything unexpected. This was the team, one of two teams that went into the year as a favorite for Marvin Harrison Jr. And through seven games, he has commanded that sweepstakes. This is the team above everybody else that is in position and favored to get that franchise-altering first overall selection this year and a player that is going to make a huge difference on this team because what we're going to be doing here with each team is good news and bad news. And we're finishing up with the bad news because this is the spooktacular after all. The good news... There's not much of it with the men of mystery, but the good news is that he has seen some early returns on his 2023 draft picks. We've talked about this at length. Guys like Anthony Richardson, who unfortunately is is out for the season, obviously, but before that injury, looking very good, looking like a potential franchise quarterback. And then Zay Flowers, his guy, the guy that he makes that big move for, shocks the draft floor, makes him the second wide receiver taken in the draft. And so far, things have looked pretty good for Zay Flowers. So we're seeing early returns on these investments and plenty more picks coming in. But uh, right now in a desolate landscape on this offense, just these blown bright spots are some of the uh, bigger stories with this team as we move toward the end of the season on the other side the bad news side of things that is obviously where a lot of the stories with this team is team is are i don't even know what i just said the team is not great is what i'm trying to say and the offense right now despite these bright spots these rookies that he's brought in and and guys that he's seen This offense is nearly 20 points per game lower than the 11th ranked offense right now, which is the moneymakers. We have the men of mystery currently averaging 69.2 points per game on the offense. Uh, And number 11, the moneymakers, 88.5. So, this offense has been completely deconstructed. There is we we coming into this year, we knew that there were these 
these bones. You can't even call it a skeleton yet, but there were these bones, Chris Olave, and the rookies coming in. But outside of that, it has just been an absolute disaster. Uh, and it's no surprise, but that's where this team is. And building this thing back up from this point is going to be a long journey because we've seen flashes out of these young players still 69 points per game on the offense. So we are years away unless anything dramatic were to happen next year, any moves that he would make. Not even Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to make this thing you know, go smoothly. So right now, everything for the men of mystery in the second half will be about trying his damnedest, working the wire like he does, picking up every conceivable running back that might even have just a sliver of value. He's going to keep grinding, but we all know, and, and he certainly knows, that the prize is at the end of this tunnel, the 101. That would be the the real victory for him this season. He is well on pace to hit that mark. Oh, you really brutalize people on here. I <laughs> It's the spooktacular. It's supposed to be horrific and bad. And this is the current worst team in the league. He gets it. I know you get it, buddy. It's okay. I'm going to brutalize a team that's very near and dear to me right now. Because the number 11th, the 11 team on this list is the Moneymakers. The Moneymakers, like I said came into the year as one of two teams that really felt like they had a good shot at getting the 101, at getting Marvin Harrison Jr. We talked about the men of mystery kind of running away with that, being far and away the worst team in the league. But the moneymakers have certainly not had a great time this season. Uh, coming into this year, the first full season in rebuild mode broke it down in the middle of last year finished poorly now seven games into this first full rebuild season i had visions of collecting picks and making a really young and exciting roster and unfortunately those dreams quickly turned to nightmares when I had to confront the reality that was starting players like Devin Singletary, like Samaje P. Ryan, and all of these different players that have filled the Moneymakers lineup this year. It has not been fun. It has not been fun, and I'm saying this right now to Webb. Anybody who's thinking about this Tim-style strip-it-down, collect picks, we've seen some other teams do it, David Wilson, Batman, and obviously the men of mystery as well. From my point of view, this sucks. And I don't ever want to do this again. I don't ever want to strip my roster down to this point. Because it's scary. Right now, Moneymakers 1 and 6. So level with the men of mystery despite the statistical differences. 160.1 points per game and a negative 4.5 war plus. So significantly better in the stats and the metrics than the men of mystery but both teams sitting right now at one and six 
The good news for the moneymakers is that one thing with the men of mystery is that we're seeing the bones emerging. We're seeing some of that that happening this year. The moneymakers came into this thing with a bit of a core already. That was something that was discussed even post T Higgins trade. We still have this Drake London, George Pickens, Jordan Addison, Kyle Pitts. These players were there. They're in place. Nico Collins obviously emerges this year as well. Makes it a little bit more complete in the wide receiver category. And those players are looking good right now. It's not. It's far from perfect. Drake London still, you know, not quite the player that. I wanted him to be when I made such a significant investment in him pre-draft, but we're seeing some flashes. We're seeing some signs of life, as is the case with Kyle Pitts, always memed, always talked about for better or for worse. It has not been anything close to Travis Kelsey levels of production, and nor should anybody ever expect that from a tight end for the rest of history, but... We've seen some signs of life out of pits. We've seen a touchdown. We've seen some bigger games and still a player who is working back from that injury. You can still see the effects lingering from that on a week-to-week basis. So the good news right now is that the part of the moneymakers that is sort of complete or established is showing signs of life. It's a big reason why this team has been able to put up respectable performances at points throughout this season. But on the flip side, as good as that core of players has been, everything else is basically a complete question mark. The bad news especially sits in the quarterback room right now because the running backs, obviously everybody understands when you trade your good players, your good running backs, and one of which gets traded in season, Brian Robinson, you understand that the running back production is going to be bad. Okay, that's fine. Made some trades, quite a few trades on the defense as well. Losing top assets over the last year and a half, including Cam Curl this year. The defense is certainly a work in progress right now. Week to week, nothing great there. The quarterbacks is where things get really weird because you think that you have an established presence like Trevor Lawrence that fits into this core, that fits into this collection of guys that I referenced earlier as featured pieces, pieces that you can count on. Trevor Lawrence has not been that this year, not even close. And in fact, he was benched for a number of games. Brock Purdy filled the void there in weeks six and seven. And then Brock Purdy subsequently forgot how to play football and had two of his worst games as a professional, including his worst game by far. So the quarterbacks, big time question marks right now. Kyler Murray cleared, but not playing. That is also a big problem right now. Whether or not that means they're looking to trade him, whether or not that just means they want to get him up to speed a little bit more before putting him out there, I don't know. But this team needs Kyler Murray more than ever. That trade looking more necessary than ever uh, with the struggles of Trevor Lawrence. And it will be a big story over the last seven weeks 
to see how this quarterback room performs across the board. Will we see Kyler in action? Will we see improvements from Trevor Lawrence? Or will Brock Purdy get over these hurdles that he's faced and be the guy that it seemed like was going to take over the starting quarterback position for the moneymakers? Yeah, I'm really interested in this situation because I think Brock Purdy is a real great up-and-comer these days. Oh, yeah? You feel me. Big Purdy fan, huh? Mm-hmm. He's my favorite. I, that's that's great. Maybe he will be the guy for the moneymakers. He will. Let's talk about a team that came into this season with much different expectations than the men of mystery and the moneymakers, but it has not gone the way that he hoped. That is David Wilson Batman, our first Pac-5 representative thus far. So far this year, 3-4, and four, scoring 166.8 points per game with a negative 3.19 war plus. And we all know what happened in the wake of a defeat uh, in week 6, I believe. Maybe it was week 7. There's been two consecutive losses, and somewhere in that mix, Frazier decided it was time to push the or pull the chips back from the center of the table and say, wait a minute, I'm going to wait for 2024. There was reasons to believe that this team could get weird this year with the B. John Robinson investment that he made, the Devontae Adams investment that he made. There were reasons to believe that he could be a real player this year. But with a combination of some lackluster performances, some injuries, and then getting into this big or this Pac-5 schedule that is looking even more difficult than maybe we imagined coming into the year, David Wilson Batman made a savvy move and decided to bow out of the race. He trades Devontae Adams to the Keel Pros for Zach Charbonnet and thus signals that it is 2024 that he has his eyes on. And going into the second half and into the offseason, this team known for witchcraft, known for you know the, the dark arts and getting a little bit weird, started last year, some satanic rituals that were happening. Maybe Frazier needs to take it all the way up another notch, and this offseason attend the Mid-Somar Festival. I told you that I want to go to that festival in Sweden. It's sort of a crazy festival. Special ceremonies and dressing up. That sounds fun. Welcome and happy Midsummer. Skål! What do you think? It's like another world. Tomorrow's a big day. Is it scary? We only do this every 90 years. I was most excited for you to come. The good news for David Wilson Batman is that he has three first-round picks remaining in the 2024 draft. This was a team that was absolutely loaded with picks. He made some investments. He made some big trades involving those firsts. Obviously, Bijan Robinson cost him quite a bit. He still has three firsts 
coming up, including his own in the upcoming draft. There was no reason for him to continue fighting this year with teams with, with teams like the Pens and the Pirate Crew ahead of him and these other contenders in the Pack 5 There was no reason for him to stubbornly keep himself in this race when he has all of this draft capital still coming up, including his own pick, which now looks to be even higher than he would have expected coming into this season. So that's some good news and something we will monitor over the last seven games is where do those picks end up. Uh, But in addition to that, the ability to pivot off of the Devontae Adams trade quickly and get a young player, a first-round pick from this past draft, Zach Charbonnet. Really good move there. The signifier of where his head was at, and also a great move to just continue to reshape this roster, brings in Devontae Adams for DJ Moore, and then ends up with Zach Charbonnet out of it, a player that could have a dramatic value increase potentially next year and help this running back room, which still needs a bit of assistance outside of B. John Robinson. The bad news, speaking of, is that B. John Robinson, a player who, I mean, we come into this year, we go through the draft cycle with unprecedented unprecedented expectations, an unprecedented price at the top of the draft, massive, massive price that he pays to bring this player in. And unfortunately, Bijan has been good. He has been good. I'm not saying that he hasn't, but he has not been great. And he has suffered a bit from the Arthur Smith curse that affects so many of these players. But even outside of that, dealing with some struggles, yards per carry lower in a few games, not finding the end zone as much as you would have hoped, still sharing carries with Tyler Algier. So it has not quite been the start, the first seven games that David Wilson Batman might have expected from this player. And another reason why it may have been a wise decision to just sit this year out and let Bijan figure things out over the second half of this year, go into 2024 with a player that hopefully becomes the player that we thought that he could be. Not really ragging on Bijan. I mean, it's just, uh, we have high expectations for Bijan. He was the wonder child. He was the, the, the prodigy. And right now, I believe RB12, he came into the second half of the season as, which, like I said, still good, but not quite what we expected. Well, he's a rookie. He's he's hitting his stride year two. Exactly. And we're going to get to 2024, and he will be the MVP of Webb, like I thought he could be this year. That is my prediction already. With Mine too. <laughs> nice. The other thing I want to touch on with Dave Wilson Batman is that this defense right now, as a team where for a, most of this early part of the season – viewing himself as a contender, viewing himself as a team that wanted to get into the mix. This defense is not where it needs to be, and I think that will be something that he looks to address either through the second half of this year or in the offseason, looking to add more star power to this defense. 
it's not quite there right now and 73.9 points per game is seventh in the league but we talk about this very stark divide at the middle of the league seventh like i said 73.9 sixth 84.9 so 11 points per game difference between david wilson batman and the next highest scoring defense he starts this tier break and he will have to look for ways to improve this defense uh, going into 2024, a year where he hopes to be competitive. Moving on to a team that also had some expectations coming into this year and another team that it has not gone the way that he had hoped. That is the Juicers, and for more reasons than one. Two and five for the Juicers right now, 167.8 points per game with a negative 2.89 war plus. Statistically, very poor season thus far. A team that has some star power on it. We've talked about these wide receivers at length. He adds guys, running backs in the draft. He adds running backs through trades. He's figuring out this defense. The roster looked better than ever coming into this year. And unfortunately, what a roster looks like on paper doesn't always equal what it is producing. And that is what we've seen with the Juicers. To make matters worse, obviously, is what happened a few weeks ago. We don't need to rehash it. But what needs to be said is that he does not have a first-round pick that will travel with the trajectory of this team. His first-round pick will lie at the end of the first. So no matter what happens, no matter how he finishes, a team that's currently 2-5, and five, that pick will not be high in this draft. Therefore, we may have Carter feeling a little bit like Liam Neeson. His draft pick was taken away, and over the next seven weeks... It will be all about getting revenge. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. If you are looking for ransom, I can tell you I don't have money. But what I do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills I have acquired over a very long career. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. If you let me have my pick back, that'll be the end of it. I will not look for you. I will not pursue you. But if you don't, I will look for you. I will find you. And I will kill you. Because while he cannot improve his draft pick's position, he can make it so that by the end of this year, his position in the draft will be a little bit closer maybe to where he's actually going to be picking. Because what we saw in week seven from this team was life that we have never seen before. 213.5 points. That was a franchise record for the Juicers in week seven. In a big win, 119 points on the defense, which has been one of the biggest stories for several years years 
Tim Tebow comes in as the defensive coordinator, and suddenly this team not only captures what was easily a franchise best on the defense, but the sixth highest defensive total of all time. The Juicers, 119, Week 7. So obviously that's a bit of good news, seeing major signs of life on the defense and a huge week, a 210-plus two, a point performance, franchise record. The other good news for this team is that these running back investments that he has made have paid off. And obviously Devon Achan is hurt right now and we are not seeing him in action, but he looked phenomenal in his action when he was playing he has quickly climbed to the Dynasty Rookie Asset number 2 if you're following along on KTC. This is a very valuable piece, and it was almost the afterthought of the B. John Robinson trade where he makes this deal, he gets the ability to select Jameer Gibbs, but then he also makes another trade, trades down the board, gets Devon A. Chan, and suddenly we have this one-two punch at the running back position that looks even better than we thought it would. And Gibbs, we saw what he did in week seven, his first real chance at action, and he had a huge game. So we have two rookie running backs that look primed to be stars, that look primed to be the future of this team. And the James Cook investment, which was criticized, like we've said, also looking like a great investment for him in the running back room. We have three really talented running backs, young running backs right now to go with these wide receivers. So everything, you know, well, 2023 is not going the way that he hoped thus far. I think we could see something in the second half of this year, kind of like what we saw at the end of last year, that brings a little bit of hope to this team and what could be, in 2024 as these players become a little bit more established as their roles become clearer and clearer and we start to see this production start to match the name value that this team currently has the bad news for the juicers quarterback is a big issue right now he Comes into the year, I called Daniel Jones a potential web factor. Daniel Jones looks horrible. Jared Goff, the starter now consistently of this team. He has sworn off Daniel Jones. And Jared Goff is always going to be sort of an up-and-down player. And right now... I think there is reason to be concerned about the quarterback room as he looks forward to 2024, hoping that maybe we get a body in here. If he looks, if he wants to compete in 2024, we look to fill that spot. Maybe I'm discounting Jared Goff. Maybe we'll see something out of him over the second half of the year, but I still think we're going to need to get a quarterback here that can really be that solid foundation that we've seen so many quarterbacks be for other teams. I say let him cook. <laughs> who who are we letting cook? Jared Goff. Let him go? Yeah, great name. <laughs> so that has to mean something. Jared Goff. That's a great name. Yeah, it's just, I don't know, there's something powerful and simple about it. I love that. 
All right. Well, you heard it here first. We're going to roll with Jared Goff. We will reassess at the end of this year. The other thing, obviously, to talk about on the bad news side, while the defense did have an all-time great performance in Week 7, we still need to consider the fact that consistency is an issue with this defense. We have an 84.25 in Week 5, drops all the way down to a 48.25 in Week 6, and then all the way up to 119. He's getting better. There are names here. There are young players. There are potential stars in the making here. We just need to see more consistency in the second half. Can we see this defense become something that can score 80 points, around 80 points consistently over the last seven weeks? That will be a huge story as well because if he can elevate this unit over the second half of the season, we can feel pretty good about it going into 2024 that the defense won't hinder him in the ways that it has for years and the offense like I said up and coming it'll be a lot easier to feel good about this team going into next year if we see that kind of response out of the defense the next team we're talking about is not one that would have expected to be in this position coming into the year This is the fifth team that we are talking about. Currently the eighth ranked team in War Plus. That is the legendary Milkers. Currently right now four and three. Scoring 175.3 points per game with a negative 0.94 War Plus. So pretty substantial jump here in terms of performance a little bit of a tear break here with the milkers but right now sitting in this eighth war plus position not not ideal and a big reason for that has been the injuries that he has faced this year it's no surprise that this has affected him quite a bit and honestly at times it's kind of almost felt like something was hunting this team Picking it off one by one. Mike Williams, Justin Jefferson, Jonathan Taylor to start the year. Maybe this team is being hunted by a predator. But regardless, he needs to fend off whatever is, whatever has caused this to happen to him through the first seven games if he has hopes of making the postseason this year. It's that plain and simple. The middle of the league looks better than ever. We're going to talk about some really, really talented teams that are ahead of him right now but most of which are in reach when we talk about the standings. And that is the first bit of good news with the Milkers right now is that he plays in the Big Five. And that is going to be a major advantage for him as he weathers the storm of these injuries, figuring out this lineup. Can this Big Five schedule be enough to carry him into the playoff conversation as we get closer to the end of the year. That is something we're going to find out because 
We have a lot of Pac-5 teams ahead of him right now. We're going to be talking about them. We've only talked about one Pac-5 team so far. Those teams are all going to be playing each other while the Milkers are playing teams like the Juicers, like the Moneymakers, like the Men of Mystery. He's going to have those teams uh, to yet on his schedule. So can he take advantage? That would be the ideal situation for him. The bad news right now is that with everything that he has faced on offense and the injuries, he is currently the 10th ranked offense, 89.8 points per game on the offense. It's just not good enough right now. And he unfortunately made his move, I believe. the Shipping is 26 first, a move that was criticized on the podcast last week. That was the move, and we will find out how it really affects his offensive scoring over the next few weeks. If we get Justin Jefferson back, maybe we we won't even get Justin Jefferson back this year. That would mean it's a lot on the shoulders of Romeo Dobbs. That's a lot on the shoulders of Curtis Samuel to keep this thing afloat. And luckily for him, Jonathan Taylor is back and producing, as we saw in Week 7, but these wide receivers are going to be a real limiter for him if he cannot figure out some consistency there, if he cannot get you know, Jefferson back into this lineup. It's going to be a problem. So finding consistency on the offensive side, finding some production out of guys that right now don't look super great in the lineup spots. But uh, like I said, take advantage of that big five schedule, and that might be good enough to reach the postseason for a second consecutive year but he has his work cut out for him a big reason why is the tough competition that is across the pond in the pack five and we are going to be starting on a run of pack five teams here in the middle of the league seventh ranked war plus team right now that is the keel pros that is the defending champion uh right now i mean Five and two, first of all, despite being seventh and war plus, he is five and two. So the Keel Pros have found a way to kind of get themselves over this four and three clump that is currently existing in the league. Sits at five and two, 178.1 per game with a negative 0.8 war plus. That's how he ends up here in this conversation. But uh, outside of the war plus being a little bit deflated, it's been kind of a best case scenario season for the Keel Pros in my opinion a team that going into the year I had some serious questions about he had made some moves the roster was not the best we've seen last year obviously he got some you know uh, on the backs of Josh Allen and some of his bigger uh, performers there he gets this magical five seed run gets the championship out of it but there was plenty of reason to believe that the Keel Pros this year would uh, regress a little bit in the in the win column, but that is not what we've seen at all through the first half of the year. The question for him is five and two right now, but we have seven games in the Pack Five remaining. A Pack Five that is currently full of sharks. Can Caleb, escape the hungry jaws 
of his pack five opponents and maintain this advantage he has in the win column and get himself back to the postseason to defend his belt. That will be the big question, and there will be many big games for the Keel Pros over the next seven weeks. That is for sure. You're going to need a bigger boat. I think that there's a good chance. You think there's a good chance he's going to make the playoffs? Yep. And what, what makes you say that? I mean, just looking at uh, what he's done so far this year, it looks great. You know, all his players are playing. They're on. They're not on the bench, and they're putting up points. You heard it here first. The Keel Pros players are playing. This is breaking news <laughs> on the podcast. But you're right, Corinne. I mean, it has been an amazing start. The good news here, he's running hot. I mean, there's no other way to say it. He's not the highest scoring team. He's not the best team, according to the metrics. But 5-2, and two, like I said, with big wins against the Pirate Crew, the Dynasty team, and Week 7 opening the Pack 5 with a big win against Herbier Enthusiasm, a team we're still trying to figure out here a little bit. But the Keel Pros notch that first pack five win, get to five and two. That's all he can ask for right now. We're going to look back on those games, the Dan game, the Colin game. We're going to look back at those games and say these were season-defining games for the Keel Pros. Games that he needed to win ahead of this tough schedule in the pack five, escaping the big five with some big upset wins and, and some uh, help buffering himself as he gets into these matchups with the pens and the boys and uh, the rebels and all of these teams now that have emerged as serious contenders. The bad news for the keel pros offensive inconsistency. We've seen it on a week to week basis week seven. He was over 200 points again, but that was following three straight weeks in the 160s. And before that, we had two weeks up above 210 points. So we're ebbing and flowing. We're getting these dips in production. We're getting these lulls in production. He manages to get out of that 160 stretch with a 2-1 record. But the offensive inconsistency is only going to become a bigger problem as he starts getting into the mix here against some of these stronger teams in the league. So... Can Josh Allen be that presence that he needs him to be? Can he find consistency out of guys like Gabe Davis, like some of the young players on his team, Dalton Kincaid, who has not quite filled that George Kittle role maybe like he had hoped that he would coming into the year? Uh, and these running backs, can we find consistency here? Can Brian Robinson be the player that he thought he was trading for? Can Najee Harris start to be a little bit more productive on a week-to-week basis? Can this Steelers offense even sustain that sort of production from the running back position? Those are all things that we will find out. And right now, the answer is that this inconsistency is potentially something that could limit him in these tougher matchups. But obviously, that Devontae Adams trade plays a big part in this. He makes his intentions clear knows the offense is struggling, hasn't been over 100 points in three weeks there, makes the Devontae Adams trade, and we're, we're going to find out how that affects him in the second half of the season. But 
certainly a welcomed addition to this offense, some extra star power for the Keel Pros. Next up, sticking in the Pack 5, as we will for a little while here, we're talking Dirty Dave and the boys. This has been a tale of two seasons for Dirty Dave. Through four weeks, he's 4-0, he's on top of the world, he's leading the Pack 5 everything seems great. He's a scrappy team, he's winning games that he's not even scoring that many points in. Wins with 178, 168, 158, 4-0. The last three weeks, 0-3. And he enters the midway point of the season at 4-3 along with a lot of these other teams. Teams that he had a, a, a bit of a jump on as he took care of the early part of his Big Five schedule that window has completely evaporated. And now Dirty Dave is faced with a Pac-5 schedule with really no buffer and a need to hold his own against these teams. And right now, talking about him here in the sixth war plus position, uh, four and three, like I said, scoring 179.9 points per game with a negative 0.05 just barely negative war plus. He's almost dead in the middle uh, in terms of his team's performance. And right now, I mean, when you look at what's going on, you start hot and now we get this little bit of a skid, even with some improvements in scoring. I mean, losing week seven despite a 199.44, I mean, that's a big loss. And this team might just continue to descend deeper and deeper into the darkness as he wiggles his way through a series of caves that is known as the Pack 5 schedule. Will it swallow him whole? Will he be lost forever? Or will he find his way out and make it back to the postseason? Dead animals. Hundreds of them. This is not good, guys. Can we get out of here? Which way? Come on. I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? There's no breeze. It could be any one of these tunnels. Take your pick. Oh, help, Mister. Oh, fuck it. Hello! Please. Is there anybody there? Hello! Well, you know, it's very possible that Dirty Dave's team has a lot of great players who are, you know, fantastic at spelunking. Spelunkers. I bet Cooper Cup is a great spelunker. That guy can spelunk with the best of them. I guarantee that. So will those players, will players like Cooper Cup, like Austin Eckler, like Christian McCaffrey, these stars on offense that he has, Will they continue to be enough for him? Because the good news, at least right now, is that those players are still performing at elite levels. This is still the number three scoring offense in all of Webb. And we've seen it you know, for the past several weeks as Cooper Cup got back into this lineup, the effect that he's had, Christian McCaffrey playing at an MVP level, and then guys, maybe some unsus guys that he wouldn't have suspected to perform as well as they are. His rookies, third-round pick, Tank Dell, Adam Thielen, a legend of the program, still putting up big numbers 
in a new situation well past the age of 30. So he needs to take advantage of these offensive stars that are continuing to produce for him, and maybe that'll be enough to help him survive this slate. But the bad news, like I mentioned, three straight losses. That window, that buffer that he had is gone. It is basically square one in the pack five. He is four and three, just like so many of his other counterparts here. And now a game behind the Keel Pros and the Insulin Pens. So that window shrinks. He needs to be almost perfect the rest of the way. We talk about being competitive, winning these big games. Can he get to that you know, 9-10 win marker yet, despite the, sh- the recent struggles. And the defense, I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, fix the defense. We all, we all know what's going on with this defense. And in fact, the last two weeks since he has made small investments like Alex Singleton, the defense has responded a little bit. Last two weeks, 78.75 and 73. Those were his first games over 70 points on defense since week one. But the fact of the matter is he's still the 12th scoring defense. He's still averaging 65.8 points per game on the defense. As we have some really talented units in the pack five on on the defensive side. This will continue to be a major disadvantage for him in these matchups against the Pens, against the Rebels, against the against Herbier Enthusiasm. These are all teams with top four scoring defenses. He is the number 12. So I don't know if it means making more moves. I don't know if it means seeing how things respond here with the addition that he made in Singleton and hopefully finding some stability in other places on this on the defensive side of things. I don't know what the answer is, but that will be one of the major stories as we've watched through the first half. Certainly we'll continue to watch in the second half in these Pac-5 games. How is his defensive total stacking up against his opponents? Because uh, he will be losing a substantial amount of points on that side if things hold in the way that they have through the first half. One of those teams that I just referenced with a strong defense, that is Herb, your enthusiasm. Like Dirty Dave, though, it has been a tale of two seasons. 3-0 and start. Everything seemed like it was ready to go. Caleb and I were on here saying, Riley is real. This is legitimate. He is going to be a fearsome opponent for all of these Pac-5 teams. At that point in time, week three, he was averaging 210 points per game. Since that point, the last four weeks, currently averaging 164.6 and 1-3 and during that stretch. That gets him to this 4-3 and marker. That so many other teams are currently at. And like I said earlier with Keel Pros, he loses his Pac-5 opener against the champ and only scores 162 points in that game, his second lowest total of the season. So really right now, we are just trying to figure out 
Who is the real Herb Your Enthusiasm? So Riley may be feeling a little bit like Kurt Russell right now on a base, an Arctic base, in which he must determine what is real and what is fake. We're going to draw a little bit of everybody's blood. We're going to find out who's the thing. Now I'll show you what I already know. It's a crock of shit. Palmer now. This is pure nonsense. Doesn't prove a thing. I thought you'd feel that way, Gary. You were the only one that could have got to that blood. We'll do you last. That's John Carpenter's The Thing, everybody. And Riley faced with that dilemma right now. The good news for Herbie Enthusiasm. The roster is healthy going into the second half. He has certainly dealt with his fair share of injuries. Guys like Aaron Jones, T. Higgins, big additions that he brought in to help stabilize the offensive production. Those players have dealt with injuries. So... It's good to see now, entering the second half, entering Pac-5 play, that we're starting to see some healthy bodies on the offensive side and across the team. And also the defense. Because while the injuries and inconsistencies have plagued the offense, the defense has remained fairly steady. And there was a bit of a dip this last week, week 7, 73.25. That was the first time. He's been below 80 points on the defense this season. Still averaging 89.1 over the first half of the season. That is fourth ranked right now in Webb. So like I said, you have the Insulin Pens, you have the Rebels, and you have Herb Your Enthusiasm. All top four scoring defenses right now in Webb. Uh, And this has been a big reason why Riley and Herb Your Enthusiasm has seen such Uh, success early in the season is the defense the bad news is that he's lost ground like dirty dave in the pack five hot start three and oh got him a little bit of a buffer but now we see it he enters pack five play immediately drops a game we're down to four and three so the window is shrunk he will need to fight against these pack five teams just like everybody else at this point and While the team is getting healthier, one thing that might continue to linger all year is the T. Higgins rib injury. It was said a few weeks ago, T. himself said, it's a matter of managing the pain, and it's something that he's going to have to deal with all year. Will we see that continue to affect him the rest of the way? This was the big offseason acquisition, a team-altering acquisition Bringing in a wide receiver one and dealing with injuries early has not gone the way that he wanted outside of the one week, the one two touchdown performance. He has not seen production out of T. Higgins thus far. So big story for the second half. What version of T. Higgins will we get? Can he help lift this offense uh, and make this team 
a more well-rounded team on the offense and defensive side of things. Moving on to a team we've already talked about, Dirty Dave. We've already talked about the Keel Pros. We've already talked about Herb Your Enthusiasm. The number four War Plus team is also in the Pack 5. That is the Rebel Alliance. One of the stories of the season. And I don't know if that has been emphasized enough, but we're going to emphasize it right now. Because there was reason to believe that this could have been the odd man out in the Pack 5 this year. There was a sort of consensus on the Pack 5 preview that this team might regress substantially. But like he always does, Josh proves everybody wrong and looks like one of the best teams in web through the first half of the season. And it just so happens that it's always the ones you least expect, similar to a certain American psycho, Patrick Bateman. He's been compared to Elvis Costello, but I think Huey has a far more bitter, cynical sense of humor. Hey, Albert. Yes, Alan? Why are there copies of the style section all over the place? Do you, do you have a dog? A little chow or something? <laughs> no, Alan. Is that a raincoat? Yes, it is. In 87, Huey released this. Their most accomplished album. I think their undisputed masterpiece is Hip to Be Square. A song so catchy, most people probably don't listen to the lyrics. But they should, because it's not just about the pleasures of conformity and the importance of trends. It's also a personal statement about the band itself. Hey, Paul! That is who the Rebels are right now. Because the roster still, you look up and down, unsuspecting, but man, these guys are killers. It starts in the running back spots. DeAndre Swift and Isaiah Pacheco have been huge for this team. Two players, at least one player there, that could have gone much, much differently this year. And thus far, he's seeing that production He's also seeing production out of guys like Jacoby Myers, who has been one of the stories of the season and a huge reason why this team has been able to be so productive on the offensive side, carrying him on a week-to-week basis, consistency, and production in the wide receiver spots. The defense, though, that's the real big news, the real good news here on this team. It reminds me a lot of the 2018 Rebel Alliance, the champion level Rebel Alliance, who was carried by his defense but got some scrappy offensive performances throughout the year. That's kind of what this thing looks like right now. And the defense is stellar. Number two ranked right now in web, 91 Point three points per game on the defensive side. That is actually more than the insulin pens right now. So 
This is an elite defense. The defensive player of the year is here, Max Crosby, but it's coming from all over the place. It's coming from guys like Daniil Hunter. It's coming from players that he has invested in, helped to mold this defense, get it to where it is, and back to its form of a prior year when uh, this team was built on defense, 2018-2019. That's what we're seeing right now. So the only bad news with this team, because we're getting into the cluster here where it's a little bit harder and harder to find some real bad news with these teams. Lamar, as good as he's been, there's been some inconsistency. And thus far, it hasn't hurt him too much. He's actually won both of the games that Lamar has had his lowest totals of the year, but that will only get harder and harder as he gets into the pack five. He's going to need Lamar to be that player that has, that he's shown that he can be this year. A potential NFL MVP candidate, Lamar Jackson. 39 points in week seven. I mean, that was a huge reason why he had a big total there. Uh, 106 on the offense and an overall 224 in week seven. So as Lamar goes, this offense will go, and as long as he can find consistency, avoid some of these really low totals that we've seen only a few times, but still there from Lamar this year, uh, that will be a huge factor and if he can overcome some of these hungry and competitive Pac-5 teams. But right now, he's in position. He is in position. He's 4-3 and three like these other teams, and he is currently ahead of them in terms of the advanced stats. So Rebels right now looking like a real playoff team. The same can be said for the Dynasty team. So we're moving back to the big five, and though he is not at the four and three mark quite yet, or the four win mark quite yet, he's getting there. It was a big time struggle through the first five weeks of the season, one and four during that stretch. Now, two consecutive wins in week six and seven gets him two. Three and four, but scoring 187.7 points per game with a 2.48 war plus. This is the number three war plus team, and despite he his disadvantage in the wins column, it certainly appears that he is going to make a run at one of these playoff positions after all, especially as he gets into the big five schedule. And that's the good news right now for this team the wins are coming and he has a soft schedule ahead of him three wins now and like we've talked about throughout the season finishes the year the revenge block he has the meta mystery he has the milkers who are struggling and he has the juicers so talk about winnable games you talk about you know where he's at versus where he can be everything looks pretty good for the dynasty team right now the other bit of good news obviously we cannot move on from the first half of the season for the dynasty team without talking about puka nakua it has been the story of the season and somehow it just so happens that the rich just keep getting richer with these players i mean we get amon ra in the third to the insulin pens that's a, suddenly a top 10 dynasty wide receiver 
Now we have Puka going to the Dynasty team. And while this might be only his first season as a real competitor here in Webb, he got a little bit of a jump start with a third-round pick that got massively overlooked. And Puka continues to produce starting every week now on this team. Player that is worth you know an incredible amount more than what he invested in him when he took him in the third round. I mean, we're talking about a player here that's already worth multiple firsts as a wide receiver. So huge, huge win in the draft and, and a big reason why he is in the position that he's in right now. Weathering the early storm, starting to put wins on the board. It's because of guys like Puka. He needed Puka this year and he's getting it. Uh, and it's, you know, hopefully a, a piece for many, many years to come. The bad news, the early struggles that he faced are something that could follow him for the rest of the season. You're not going to believe me. And I need you to remember what I'm saying. Okay? This thing, it's going to follow you. Somebody gave it to me, and I passed it to you. I see it. So let's hope that those don't catch up with him. But the other factor here is the defense. Because while the offense is one of the best in web right now, number two ranked, scoring 114.5 per game, the defense has been a disappointment. And it's been something we've been waiting to see turn around for, for a few weeks now, thinking, okay, we're going to find level. We still have stars in this lineup. We've seen some improvements out of guys like Hassan Reddick. When is it all going to come together? When are we going to start seeing some big performances on a week-to-week basis? And through the first half of the season, we just haven't seen it. I mean, week three was the exception where he was over 90 points, 91. And outside of that, it has been pretty bad. Uh, right around 70, 75 points-ish uh, over the last few weeks. And currently averaging 73.2 which is eighth in web. So if he can get this defense turned around, maybe it's a move, maybe it's something else. If he can get this thing turned around, we're going to start seeing some real healthy point totals out of a team that's already the number three scoring team in web, 187.7. We could get that number up closer to 195, maybe 200 if we start seeing uh, a turnaround from this defense a little bit. So that'll be something to monitor for this team in the second half, but that is really all the bad news for this team as he stares this juicy Big Five schedule in the face. But right now, as impressive as the Dynasty team has been over the last four weeks, the top dog in the Big Five is still 
the pirate crew. And we've talked a lot about the pirate, or we've talked a lot about the pack five and how dangerous the schedule is, how good these teams are, teams emerging. The pirate crew handled the pack five, five and one during the interconference window, and that bought him all the time that he needed to coast through this big five schedule. Already saw him pick up an easy win in week seven there. Expect to see a lot more easy wins in the big five for the Pirate crew. So right now, six and one, 205.9 points per game. See another tier jump here with the points. He's still tier one in web. 6.76 war plus. So far and away the best team in the big five, still the pirate crew, which makes it pretty hard to find any sort of horrific or bad components of this team. But what I can tell you is while it might be an easy path to the playoffs, we just have to hope that it's not another nightmare before Christmas for the Pirate Crew and another early postseason exit. That has been one of the traditional elements for this team. 11 years of dominance, GM of the decade. Two championships to show for it. And last year, obviously the best team ever doesn't make it to the championship game even. We need to see that uh, turnaround again this year. We don't want to see another disappointing performance on what might be the last truly dominant season in this window as he sort of retools and thinks about the the new era of this roster maybe this is the final uh great season for this team but the good news and why that might not even be true is that he has right now the number one scoring defense in web. Once again, it is the Pyro crew showing absolute dominance on the defensive side. While the offense has dealt with injuries and other concerns, the defense has picked up the slack. And right now, 97.2 points per game on the defense through a half of a season. That is well on pace to set the defensive scoring record that he owns. 94 per game from 2021. 97 is where he's at right now, and it has been an absolute dominating season on the defensive side. Only one dud week two, 62 points. And even with a 62-pointer in there, we're still averaging 97 points per game on that side. So that has been huge, and that has been something that will you know very easily help him against these big five teams, a lot of which are in the lower uh, ranked slots for the defense. He's, you know, we're talking 20 points, if not more, 20 to 30 points per game just on the defensive side against these big five opponents right now, including the dynasty team. So 
the bad news for the pirate crew the only thing and we it's no surprise but the offense has dealt with its fair share of injuries obviously the running back position for this team has been quite uh significantly affected with guys like nick chubb and and jk dobbins dealing with major injuries derrick henry uh dealing with a reduced workload a little bit and a futile offense still been producing a fair amount but not quite the player on a week-to-week basis that we're used to seeing got guys like jerome ford uh and daryl henderson in the lineup these days not exactly what you're used to seeing from the pirate crew on that side of things Quentin johnson obviously got to talk about that because why wouldn't we it's been a little bit of a struggle And now he's seeing some time in the lineup right now. So the offense is certainly questionable, though it has not been bad. I mean, even despite these hurdles that he's facing, still 108.7 points per game on the offense. That's fourth in Webb. And with this defense, I mean, it's it's, as long as he's getting plus 100 points on offense on a week-to-week basis, he's totally fine in the points department. So... A little bit of bad news, but not much for the Pirate crew. And that leaves one team. The Insulin Pens. No surprise to anybody to find them in the number one spot at the midway point. However, maybe even more dominant than we were expecting. Right now, the Insulin Pens 5-2. Talk about... The Pirate Crew is still right now on top of the league record-wise. But the Insulin Pens, 5-2, scoring 221 points per game. That is 15 more per game than the Pirate Crew. With a 10.67 war plus. Through one half of a season, he is well on pace to break the war plus record That was set by Dan last year. He is on pace to be the best team we've ever seen in web through a full regular season. In that case, I don't really have anything bad to say about the insulin pens. In fact, this season so far for him has kind of been like child's play. Talk to me, damn it, or else I'm gonna throw you in the fire! You stupid bitch, you filthy slut! Did you fuck with me? As he has made quick work of the league. And slashed his way to this dominant position. The good news, obviously, here, he has not scored below 200 points on any given week. He is the definition of consistency. He is the definition of dominance. Nobody can touch him on a week-to-week basis. In order to do so, he does have those two losses. In order to do so, you got to get up to his level. Because he's not coming down to yours. You got to score over 200 points to beat this team. That's the only way to do it. That's the only way we've seen it happen this far into the season. And in many cases, it's a lot more than 200. It's 225 or more. 
The bad news, the only bad news potentially for this team, despite five and two, despite two twenty-one per game, all of that. The insulin pens still continue to be their own worst enemy, and he's back to back-to-back week highs entering the midway point. So he's been a little bit quieter than normal, but we're still minutes away at any given time from a an eruption. That is really the only thing that can stop the Pens this year, and thus far, through seven weeks, that's not even the case. It's not even close to the case, because despite all the bums and the layers of bum and all of the calling out of his players, it doesn't even matter who's in the lineup. He's still scoring a lot of points and a lot more points than anybody else's. So the insulin pens far and away the favorite at the midway point of the season, looking like the team we thought they were. With all of that said, I've done enough talking for my two weeks of vacation. There is only one final thing to do, and that is make final predictions for the 2023 season i believe i picked the pens to beat the boys before the season in the championship game and i'm going to adjust my predictions quite a bit at this point in time i'm not going to scientifically do this i'm just going to go off of vibes i'm going to do the caleb method i want to do vibes you yeah. You, well, you want to go first? No, I don't know what you're doing. Okay. If I'm picking five playoff teams, and then I'm picking my championship game and winner. Okay. My five playoff teams halfway through the 2023 season. Right now we have... I'm going to give the Pirate Crew the one seed. I don't think he's going to slip up much, if at all, through the Big Five schedule. That might be enough to hold him off of the Pens, who have already lost two games. So we're going to go one seed for the Pirate Crew. We're going to go two seed for the Insulin Pens. We're going to go three seed for the Dynasty team. I am going to believe in the power of the Big Five schedule, despite the fact that he has four losses already. I could see him... Getting to 9-5 and five fairly easily, and that might be enough to lock up a 3 seed this year, especially with a points tiebreaker. Fourth seed. I'm going to go with... This is hard. This is hard. We're going to go with the champ. I believe in the power of the belt. And I believe that this season has been a little bit magical for Caleb. And with the Devontae Adams addition, I think he's going to make some noise here in the Pac-5. And we're going to get a four seed. Fifth seed. Who will be playing Caleb in the wildcard game? I am going to go with the Rebel Alliance. Taking advantage of a bit of a softer, potentially, revenge block. While he does have Tim twice, he also has Frazier twice. And we've seen Frazier bow out. Herbie enthusiasm, bit of a question mark right now. 
That is the other uh, double up that the Rebels have. So, while Dirty Dave is playing Tim twice and Caleb twice, I am going to go with the Rebels to take advantage and sneak in, make the postseason as a team that is performing at a playoff caliber level right now. Championship game. I have to do it. It's going to be the matchup we should have seen last year. The Pirate Crew and the Insulin Pens. And I will continue to pick the Insulin Pens as the 2023 Web.com champion. Nothing has changed. And now, the moment we've all been waiting for. Kryn is making her official 2023 Web.com playoff predictions. Okay. For the one seed, the Insulin Pens. Boom. Two seed, the Pirate Crew. Three seed, uh, the Keel Pros. Four seed, the Rebel Alliance. <laughs> the five seed, the Milkers. Wow. Collins early woes come back to haunt him the milkers get on the right track and we have the milkers in the playoffs we got the champ getting the three seed what's the title game look like the keel pros and the pens oh my god the champ versus the behemoth and who wins that one uh the the pens and we have unanimous pens. And there you have it. We made it once and for all. Wasn't exactly conventional, but we got a midseason spectacular 2023. Thanks to everyone who listened to me talk for an hour and 20 minutes. My voice is completely shot. And I might see you this week, or I might be taking another week of vacation with a throat injury, potential stay on IR. So we're going to find out who's here this week for the Week 8 pod, kicking off the second half of the season. But as always, let's make it a great week.